An Eye for an Eye podcast contains subject matters that many may find disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. We're back with Eye for Eye podcast, everybody. Welcome back to your favorite show here on the show. Land. What the fuck? Um, Matt is on vacation, so I'm your host, Lisa, and I'm here with our very special reoccurring guest host and host co-host of Streaming and Screaming. If you haven't checked that out yet, go back. But Kara's here with me today, everybody. Hi. So so Kara has graciously offered to step in while Matt is gone on vacation. Tell me, cover some crazy fucking cases. Um, I say cases because you'll see here in a minute. We're going to cover the one case, and then we're going to break down cases very, very similar in the coming episodes. It's just like quick mini eye-for-eye episodes. Because I do think it's relevant, and I do think their stories deserve to be told. So I don't want to throw them in this episode, nor do I want to make this episode two minutes. I mean, this episode, three hours long. So we're going to do that. We'll announce that more at the end of the show. But this, Kara, this this is going to be a wild ride. Like This this one is shocking, because I didn't know it was a thing until this I did not either. But apparently it's a... It's a fucking it's, it's thing. It's a thing. It's a thing. So, again, we're iFi Podcast. If you haven't, go please, go please, go rate, review, <laughs> go. subscribe, check us out, tell your friends, tell your fam, and enjoy the show. You don't think she was pushed into it, coerced by your officers, threatened with prison for charges that were never filed? Again, we don't threaten people to become confidential informants. You don't. That's not part of how we operate, no, sir. Buckle, in this case, is shocking. I don't know if it'll be shocking to everybody, but it was absolutely shocking to me, and I know Carrie said it was... When I read it, I didn't know this was really a thing that happened. Right, and it's kind of... It's scary. It's scary scary that it is, Um, and we'll go over why. So, if you haven't figured it out from the very small details we haven't given you, um, this is the case of Rachel Hoffman. So a little bit of background on Rachel before we get into what happened here. Rachel was 23 and she was a Florida State University graduate. By all accounts, good student, did her thing. On February 22nd, 2007, while she was a senior at FSU, police had pulled her over for speeding and found almost an ounce of marijuana in her car. Is that a lot? I was just going to say I'm not sure. Um, as you can tell, I don't do drugs. Uh, I have the marijuana that people really don't consider that a drug, which I don't really like. Fuck it. If you want to smoke a little gang, smoke a little gang. But I have no fucking clue what an ounce is. I don't even know what an ounce looks like in normal shit, like the flour. Like, what's an ounce? If there are 16 ounces in a pound. Isn't a pound of weed like a pillowcase full of weed? This is That's a lot of weed. So- <laughs> I don't know. People are going to be like, what the hell are they talking about? An ounce? No, no, don't you do it in grams. So I guess an ounce is a lot. How many grams is an ounce? I don't Guys, we're really struggling. But, okay, if Wait. you do the little, if, the, if you do some pot here and there, do some pot. I don't, I don't As know. As like a parent. If you smoke the gans, you know what that amount is, so we don't need to explain it to you. But I think it is a lot. I feel like it's, it's a lot. It's enough to make an arrest of some sort or charge you with some shit. So she basically got pulled over. I guess they smelled the butt on her. Searched her car and found a shit ton of it in her car is what I'm going to say. And I know that's not a little bit, even though an ounce sounds small. For that, she was ordered into a substance abuse program, which did require regular drug testing. So she was being monitored um, for that. And I'm guessing she's probably also with the intent to sell because that's a shit ton of weed, I guess. 
So, like, if you have more than a certain amount on you, they can yeah. tend to sell on you, and then it's mm-hmm. a bigger charge. Which we could discuss, you know, what people should... I really wish Matt was here for this conversation, because he has opinions on this. So, <laughs> which we could talk about at a later time. So, for the first part of her drug court sentence, she did stay clean and passed her urine analysis tests, but <laughs> over the next few months, she did begin smoking again, because that's... I mean, it's like, I mean, out of the drugs in this world, marijuana is the least, like, I have the least problem with it. Like, if you're over here shooting out heroin or meth or crack in a corner, (laughs) that's where I have some issues. But you want a little GG here? What if it's not in a corner? Then fuck you. Oh, oh, it's okay. No, no, it's not okay. Did I say it was okay if it's not in a corner? (laughs) I don't remember. Just don't do drugs. As long as you're in the corner. Right. But I do know, like, some people, I actually know people personally who've, um, had, have, have cancer and this has helped them get their yeah. appetite back. So it can be a useful drug. So I think we could go over all day long the laws regarding marijuana and how it's becoming legal, especially medicinal purposes everywhere. So I think, you know, it makes me wonder about this case before we even get into it. This probably would have went a whole different direction. Oh, yeah. This year. Which is so sad. Yeah. And just like those people rotten in jail for selling a tiny, tiny bit yep. of weed when there's killers that are walking free currently. Makes you really wonder. All right. So she did start smoking again and eventually began selling to her friends. So she's getting back into the swing of things. She's back in the game. Nah, yeah. She's back in the game. She's not sending this one out anymore. So... During her one year of drug court, she had only missed one random urine test the entire time because she was out of town with one of her childhood friends from synagogue because she's a Jew like I am. And his father had passed away suddenly, leaving behind his wife and three children. So she wanted to be there for a friend. And because of that, she missed her court appointment, which I kind of am confused about as well because wouldn't you just tell the court that we need to reschedule? Like, I know it's like they set your date, but they're... <laughs> but there are reasons where you can get things pushed back. Yeah, I would think that that would. It's not like she was evading it. She just right? wasn't. I just wonder if she didn't tell anybody because that would be an issue. But if you yeah. said, like, hey, we need to move this, I had a death. Well, it was random. Me. I don't know if how that would. Do they just like show up at your door right. and they're like, hey, pee? <laughs> yeah, I really don't know. If anyone knows how random drug tests work um, in the court of law when you're charged with a crime with. Weed. But yeah, so she did miss one of her random urine tests, which again, we're not really sure how that goes. Like, do they call you that day and they're like, get ready. Come in. Start drinking water. Right? You're going to have to pee. You're going you gonna to have to pee it out. Um, <laughs> so we don't really know how that works. There's a big yeah. difference, like you yeah, said, yeah. between like meth and pot. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's absolutely. So excuse me for my. Um, the way I'm talking because I've, I'm not skilled in these areas. So, yeah, so she, the three days she was gone, um, she did have, miss a urine test, and that started some issues. She was sent in one weekend in jail, which totaled three days because of missing that urine test while being away, which I think is bullshit. If she had a good lawyer, I feel like that would have been like, yeah. get the fuck out of Maybe here. Maybe she doesn't have a lawyer because yeah, this is makes, minor. Yeah, if she had a lawyer, they probably would have been like, <laughs> don't fucking do anything that's about to happen. What lawyer in their fucking right mind would be like, great idea. Send her to jail, yeah. That's, I would just be like, that old teacher. Right? 
So on April 17th, 2008, Rachel was chilling in her apartment, smoking the ganj, doing a thing. And somebody in her apartment complained to police about the smell of marijuana coming from her apartment and also voiced suspicion that she was selling drugs. It's probably me. Yeah, right. (laughs) So I don't know if she was still on college campus or not. I don't really know. I doubt it because she probably would have been kicked off campus for that. But I don't know if there were, like, older people who were upset, younger people. I'm not sure. But it sounded like, I mean, I don't watch people enough to suspect that they're selling drugs. So I'm not sure. Maybe they, like, noticed people coming in and out of her apartment or something. We can't be sure, but they reported her. They said she's most likely selling drugs and her apartment reeks of marijuana. So police went to make a visit, and they asked if she had any illegal substances inside. Now, Hoffman being the honest Abe that she was, she said yes, and she did allow them inside to search. Probably a good idea if police knock down your door. Not, they didn't knock it down, but knock at your door and say, hey, we smell weed in here, can we search? Although, this is how people incriminate themselves. If they don't have a warrant, can't they not come in your house? Unless it's probable cause, but like if... I mean, I don't well, know. Well, yeah, because speaking from experience, as I look <laughs> out the window to see if they're still there, what happened when we, because whatever, like if you want to smoke weed, smoke weed, but yeah. my issue was that I could smell it in my apartment yeah, it was, on a different yeah, floor. It was getting to you guys. So we did call the police. They came in. They knocked on their door. They didn't answer it, and they couldn't do anything further. So they, so they even if they could smell it, they couldn't They do couldn't anything. do anything. And what happened was... They came in there, all I smell is an evergreen candle, and it was Drew's candle. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Drew. But, yeah, so they were like, you didn't answer the door? We can't do anything. So she kind of incriminated herself. Here. Yeah. Um, but, yes, she was totally honest with the police and said yes, allowed them to search her apartment. Now, the cops ended up seizing slightly more than five ounces. Ah, here's our answer. Mm. Five ounces, which is 151.7 grams. That's a lot. Yeah, of pot and several ecstasy and volume pills tucked beneath the cushions of her couch and some pipes used for smoking uh, weed. So she was pretty fucked. Which I'm so surprised she let them search her fucking apartment. Knowing it, maybe she got like under the couch cushion, but yeah. Although, like, I'm the same kind of way. Like, if I'm in trouble with any kind of law, I'm like, take it, take it, take it, take it. Like, I don't fucking care. Look, I like, I don't want to be in trouble. Yeah. Um, I hate being in trouble. So, unfortunately, for her, uh, Rachel must have not known under Florida law, possession of more than 20 grams of marijuana, and remind you, she had 151.7 grams, is a felony. As of 2008, though, just to note, Florida did change that uh, medical marijuana is legal. So if you have a medical license to have pot on you, that you're fine, but over 20 grams, if you are not licensed for medical marijuana, you're fucked. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> and it's a felony. So, the possession of the two ecstasy pills warranted a felony under Florida law, no matter the quantity, because, quote, it has high potential for abuse and has no currently accepted medical use and treatment in the United States. Quote. So, she had two felonies, or three felonies, I guess, because the pills... Mm. I don't know if the volume, I guess the volume is for pain, so I don't know. But the ecstasy pills also fucked her pretty bad. Um, Rachel is facing several possible felony charges, including possession of cannabis with intent to sell, possession of ecstasy, maintaining a drug house, 
possession of a controlled substance with intent to sell and possession of paraphernalia, which would be the pipes that she had. What is maintaining a drug house? <laughs> At least she was maintaining it. Yeah, yeah right. Instead of letting her drug house go to shit. <laughs> yeah. Is that just like a house with drugs in drug it? House. <laughs> Why was it foreclosed? My drug house is foreclosed. <laughs> um, but yeah, so she had a shit ton of felonies um, under her belt. Especially didn't help that she had gotten caught with uh, Bud before. So she was having a rough time here. Police did attempt to persuade Rachel to identify other marijuana dealers to avoid the charges. And she refused because she is a good fucking friend. She's willing to go to jail for however fucking long the felonies uh, would get her in jail for to not rat out her friends. Also, maybe not weed, but like drug dealers are not people to fuck with. Like, I would not, I don't, I wouldn't say marijuana deal. I hate that they say marijuana dealers, but, like, people who deal pot, I don't think, I think they're more chill, but, like, yeah. any Those other drug, I would not fuck with. Like, I wouldn't even touch. Like, I wouldn't go near because I don't want to, I don't want to play those games. But would probably, you be willing to go to jail? I think I'd rat them out. Yeah. I, I would definitely rat them out. Yeah, 100%. I, yeah, I'd probably try to save my ass. To be honest, I'm, so don't fucking try me. Don't don't be my drug dealing friends because I'll write. I'll, we'll, I'll, I'll write you up. I'm not going to jail for your dumb ass. Um, just kidding. I don't know what I would do. I probably would have done this to get out of fucking yeah. jail. Sorry, but um, bye. Or I would have tried to be sly and slick. First of all, I got my fucking self a lawyer, but I would have been sly and slick and been like, if you reduce all of our charges. But what good is, why would she make that deal? To get her, so her friends don't get fucked up the ass. By a knife. With the law. Oh my. (laughs) (laughs) This this escalated. Right. But she did refuse. She didn't want to rat on her friends, which I, I, like I said, probably would have because I don't like getting in trouble and anything to get me out of trouble would be great. Although, if they were really good friends, I don't know. I really try not to be a snake or a snitch, but like. If I'm facing, like, 10 years in jail and I could get out of it and my friends aren't facing that kind of jail set, I don't know. I don't fucking know. I would have got myself a lawyer and shut the fuck up and wouldn't yeah. have talked to them. That's what I would have done. I wouldn't have played That seems like deals. it was maybe her first mistake. Yeah. I would have gotten a lawyer and they can do that betting for yeah. me. They can say, hey, Lisa, it would help everyone if you rat these people out. Or they could have said, don't say a fucking word because they're still going to throw your ass in jail. Yeah. And you're going to fuck over other people. Because I think lawyers keep it 100 for their client. Not yeah. for anyone else, but their client to keep it 100. You know, they want they want the best outcome for their client. So I don't know what I would have done, but she did refuse. She stayed 100 to her friends or whoever the other drug dealers were in the community. Um, and, yeah, that's where, that's where things started to really go fucking downhill. So getting into the deal she made with the police, the officer in charge, a sandy-haired vice cop named Ryan Pender... <laughs> cute told her that she might be able to help herself if she provided quote substantial assistance to the city's narcotic team officer mccraney said it's a deal that's offered to countless drug defendants but that a lot of people say no which i don't fucking blame them especially with the track history we're about to go over and hoffman took the deal so this would presumably be after they initially were like rat everyone out yeah so she said no but then takes the deal however McCraney said that did not guarantee her that the charges would be dropped. He said, quote, we're not saying we're dropping the charges. Whatever you can provide, the state attorney will decide how to balance your assistance with your crime. So let's take a pause for a second. If you haven't caught what just happened, 
The cops, after saying rat out your friend, she said no. They tried a different tactic. They said, if you basically, if you want to be an undercover narc for us, with no training, no experience, no nothing, we'll think about reducing your sentence. It might not happen, but we could see what we can yeah. do. You help us, we'll maybe help you. And I think this is not going on, like I said, with a lawyer present. This is not something that is being dealt with the way I think it should be dealt with, obviously. But, um, but yeah, so they basically said, uh, what's it called? Like, you scratch our back, we'll scratch yours. But we might not actually scratch you. We might, like, poke you with a stick and say, fuck yourself afterwards. I'm not sure that situation See, has a name. But I don't know. <laughs> but I feel like he didn't, I mean, I don't know, because allegedly this is what he said he said. It's in quotes. But I really don't think he said this to her. Because I think she would have thought twice. If she wasn't really to rat out, rat out her friends, if she wasn't promised that she was going to get off or get a really good, like, sentence or, like, a lesser of charge, I feel like my girl Rachel would not have been, like, sure. Just, I don't know, sure. But then again, I don't know, being young and hearing, instead right. of spending 10 years in jail, you could potentially do no time if you just help out the cops. Kind of like, like Amanda Knox cool. thing. Yeah. She's like, I'm just helping the cops. Yeah, not like, incriminating myself. Yeah, this is just, like, In yeah. jail for four years. Right? And it's, I mean, I don't, I can't say because I've obviously never been in a scenario, but I feel like it would be a tempting offer, but I feel like they did not word it how they're saying they worded it. They probably made it seem like you're about to go to jail for the rest of your life. Unless you do this. Unless you help us out. So the choice is yours. Would you rather spend the rest of your time in jail or how about cops? You know, you could be one of us. You could be part of our team. Yeah. thing. Which I think would be kind of cool. Like, I'd be like, I mean, not in this scenario, but I'd, right, I'd be like, like right, if you I'll supply me with the right shit, sure. How about I'll go undercover with you, whatever. Yeah. So that's that's what she was facing. She yeah. was facing spend time in jail or help out cops. And according to the cop, potentially get a lesser sentence or off. But according to my brain and what I think really happened, they not probably the case. didn't that part. Yeah. So she believed that any charges against her could be reduced or even dropped. Like, we just said... Maybe she didn't understand what was going on. Maybe it wasn't explained. Regardless, she thought this would end up great for her. Mm-hmm. Um, she was never booked into jail after the raid on her apartment. And she began to work with a Tallahassee police investigator and reportedly offered Green and Bradshaw as possible arrest targets, though many have claimed she didn't know them prior. So presumably those are two other pot dealers. Mm-hmm. And according to a confidential deposition from a friend of Hoffman's, the police made it clear that run-of-the-mill pot busts wouldn't be sufficient to work off her charges. So. That's so fucking, like, sketchy. Like, okay. Like, like, that's not enough. You need to get us more. You need like, to get us people that are fucking dealing heroin in the back streets. Like, the scary people. Like, that's fucking. That's weird. Yeah. And by weird, I mean frightening. Like, and it seems they're like, like, oh, no, we're going to up the ante with scarier drug addict. Drug and the people, people they're asking her to go after are not people it seems like she's involved with. No. Because her shit was pretty white. Yeah. It was like unclear. You know, not speaking to research, ecstasy, but. Yeah. Like, through the research, it, it was confusing because some people said she did know them and she's the one who gave those names to the police. Whereas a lot of people said she had no idea who these people were. It's, they were just known drug, yeah. you know, <laughs> drug lords, drug uh, <laughs> dealers in the area, but for like more heavy shit. Yeah. Because clearly they told her, mm, sorry, little weed bust, which she, if she had a lawyer, that statement right there would have made him go, get the fuck out of there. One, because that's telling you right now, run of the mill pill busts aren't that serious. So you're not going to do that much time, girlfriend. I don't, yeah. I don't know that any lawyer would advise 
any of this. I'm pretty sure they would say, like, run the fuck away. Yeah, like, no, no, we'll get you. Well, I'm a lawyer. I'm going to drop those charges regardless of what. Yeah. Um, Oh, gosh. So the purported goal of their operation was to buy 1,500 ecstasy pills. Seems like a lot. (laughs) Seems like a lot. (laughs) Two ounces of cocaine. A lot? Question mark. What was it? Should we decide? I'm going to look up what an ounce of cocaine looks like, and we're going to do some comparisons for those who are like us and don't know what an ounce one of cocaine is. One crack rock, please. One rock of crack. <laughs> ounce of, what was it? Coke. Coke. Ounce of Coke slang? Okay, wait, let's see. So, okay, so this is a pretty substantial amount of. Oh, wait, I think you'd measure Coke in grams too, right? I think everything is grams. Maybe milligrams. Seems like a lot. Yeah, right. Wait, I want to see what an ounce of pot looks like. But go on, sorry. (laughs) Googling picture of ounce of pot. Okay, wait. So. Let's see it. It's like a big Ziploc. Well, I don't know. This. Okay, wait, visual. Legal? They all look the same. Yeah, this is, it looks like broccoli. Um, (laughs) (laughs) One ounce is one dollar bill? I don't know. This is, yeah, this is. That's a half ounce. So two dollar bills. Okay still not very helpful okay nothing (laughs) on google is helpful if you are curious so if you don't do drugs then you're shit out of luck for an example yes but um presumably a lot of coke (laughs) (laughs) 1500 ecstasy pills i lost two ounces of cocaine and two handguns which is contrary to department policy i don't understand what that means i don't think they were supposed to be, oh. like, handguns stealing in there. Um, so they were going to use $13,000 cash in a buy-bust operation. So basically, you buy it and they bust you. Yes. <laughs> so, like, once, it's like um, when people hire hitmen. Yeah. Like you have to exchange the money for it to, like, officially be, like, you trying to hire the hitmen. Like, you could talk about wanting to fuck someone up all you want, but until you exchange money, it's not, like, a deal, is what they say. Interesting. Mm-hmm. She'd never fired a gun or handled a significant stash of hard drugs. So Red flags. <clears throat> yes. Yeah, exactly. They're putting her into situations she's not, I don't know that anybody would be comfortable in this, but she's not equipped to deal with. She has no training. Mm-hmm. She's never fired a gun. And they didn't go over with, like, if shit goes wayward, like, what do you right. do? Right. There's, like, deal with it. It's, it's like, I was talking to Kira about this earlier when we were discussing the case. It's like FBI agents and CIA agents and policemen have training, have training to deal with this exact scenario. They didn't do shit for her. They just said, here, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to give you. Go. And, like, that's really scary because to be a fucking police officer, you have to go through training. Yeah. To be an Intense FBI training. agent, an undercover narc to do these kind of things, to do exactly what they wanted her to do. You have to go through serious training. Serious training. It's not like, okay, slap a, like, some fucking $1,300. Put on 1300 a vest, you're going in. $13,000. It's like, they literally, like, threw her to the sharks. Yeah. Literally threw her to the sharks. And it, it just seems like she didn't know what she was doing. And she didn't know what she no. was getting into. And I mean, how could you? I mean... If and these cops it, who people see as authority figures are telling you to do this. Right? And so that's what I was going to say. Like, you feel like you're safe. You feel like, oh, they've probably done this before. Oh, they know what they're talking about. Right. Oh, they've done this before. Can't be that hard if they're just saying, like, okay, go do this. Yeah. You know what I mean? I would probably think the same thing. I mean, I'd probably be a little bit more weird, especially after reading this. But, like, if if I was a little bit younger and I didn't know better, I would trust the cop. I would be like, yeah. okay, like, if that's just something that, like, you know, I mean, my ass would be, like, lawyer, 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 lawyer. But, like, 
you know, imagine if you're in high school and, like, you were caught in some serious shit. Like, this wasn't that serious. But, like, if you're caught in some serious shit and a cop straight up said to you, hey, this will all be gone if you just help us out. You're going to think, okay, they're okay. going to do me a yeah. solid. They're going to help me out. And they're going to keep me safe and protected. And they know what they're talking about. They've done right. this a thousand times. You wouldn't even question it. Right. So, the police set up a meeting at a park May 7th at 7 p.m. That's almost the... Yes, it's literally, that was what, two days it's ago? It's like the 10-year anniversary. Maybe really 11. 11. <laughs> Everything um, fucking happens in May, Kara. This is the month of Lisa. That, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and death. That's and it. Drug dealing. It's all the same, really. Right? Everything <laughs> happens in May. It's something about the springtime gives people a hyper. <laughs> um, so the police set up what they considered a safe and secure area to watch the deal unfold. And she was to show up with $13,000. They'd make the swap at Bradshaw's parents' house in a quiet green neighborhood on the outskirts of Tallahassee. So, yeah. Perfect place for a drug deal, your parents' house. So, um, behind the scenes, the police worked up an operational and raid plan, which involved more than a dozen... Dozen? Dozen? I'm going to start calling you Can you give me a dozen donut? Thank you. Um, more than a dozen local and federal agents. So they said that, I mean, I, th- I guess this is legit, maybe, because it was in, like, the report. I want to know what an operational raid plan is real quick. Um, but basically, they, in their brains, thought they had it set up where they had a bunch of officers ready to go. Nothing helped me here. So, um, Google's useless today. So police did work up the operational raid plan. And... Rachel had been in cahoots with the police department for almost three weeks by this point. I still don't three think... Three weeks. Yeah, that's not enough time to train someone how to do a serious no. drug bust with $13,000, a shit ton of coke, a shit ton of what? Was there Ex- shit? Ecstasy. Uh, guns. Like, what yeah. the fuck is this? And so, three weeks, sorry. Sorry, Bill. Like, that's not cool. That's not enough. Mm-mm. Clearly, you guys all fucked this up to the heavens. Um, so... In bureaucratic terms, she was considered confidential informant number 1129 or C.I. Hoffman. So, I feel like she's feeling official. She's like, oh, shit. Yeah. I feel like I'm in the FBI. Like, it would be not She probably cool feels important. Because, and, yeah. Because the way these are, these end up happening. But, you know, it would be kind of cool. Like, even now, I'd be like, this would be cool to, like, ride along. But I don't want to get fucking into some kind of shit. Right. So I probably wouldn't. But this would, like, it's like doing um, a ride-along with a police officer. Yeah. You know, it's cool to be in the action. I don't know if she really felt that way. She was just more like, I need to get this shit off my ass to wipe this off my record. But whatever. So in legal parlance, she was a cooperator? Why is that so little... I don't know why it has that little guy on it. I think it's just a cooperator. 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 I don't think that's right. Um... (laughs) <laughs> Which was one of thousands of people who each year, did you hear that correctly? One of thousands of people each year. It's like ASMAR, thousands of people. <laughs> um, yeah, she was one of thousands of people who each year helped the police build cases against others, others meaning like drug dealers, etc., often in exchange for a promise of leniency in the criminal justice system. So this is something... That up until this case, I had never heard of, Kara had never heard of. But apparently, one in fucking, or one of thousands, thousands of people do this a year. So, you would think they'd have, like, a fucking training program. We'll we'll get um, to that. Yeah. (laughs) But, um, 
By some estimates, up to 80% of all drug cases in America involve them. That's a lot. Often in active roles, like Hoffman. So the one actually doing the bidding for the police. We'll talk about what we feel is happening here after, but basically it happens a lot. And up to 80% of all drug cases in America involve some kind of kid who got, or I guess maybe this is offered to adults too, but probably mainly kids, who were busted for some minor crime, told they were going to get leniency on their sentencing if they help out the cops do some actual serious shit crimes, Mm -hmm. right? So untrained CIs provide an inexpensive way to outsource the work of undercover officers. So it's like temps. Like, it's like a temp in our company. It's a cheaper way to hire people. No, it's not clear, but... I don't think she's getting paid for this, right? No, the payment the is her sentencing. Yeah, yeah. It's literally just saying. This feels like it's a full time job. Right? <laughs> right? Three fucking weeks. Like, what was she doing for three weeks? Yeah. Clearly not enough because what happened here. But about this is no fault of hers, obviously. Right. But, um, be yeah, like, what the? Like, it's pretty much what I think of this is officers are just like, it's a cheap way for us to get mm-hmm. these busts without actually having to do the work. Here you go. Yeah. I don't, it's not a fair deal to anybody that's involved in them. I mean, I'm sure it's helped someone out of the thousands that get off of right. some, like, pretty big sentence. But in the cases that I've brought up, it's not it's, good. Their, their charges in court it's, would have been way less than it's the It's manipulative. Outcome. Yeah. It's just, like, it's them taking advantage of their role is what I feel. But we can get into that another time. <laughs> I'd love to have a cop on the show who maybe does this stuff and to explain it a little better. And I understand, like... It's a cheaper way, but without the fucking proper training instruments, everything, it can, it can just lead go to, to shit. serious, serious issues, which we're about to see right here. So, um, a professor at Loyola School, Loyola, Loyola Law School in Los Angeles, Alexandra Natapoff, um, she's a leading expert in informants, and she said, quote, the system makes it cheap and easy to use informants as opposed to other less risky but more cumbersome approaches. There are fewer procedures in place and fewer institutional checks on their use. So it's not regulated. Right, nobody's paying attention to this. Nobody cares. It's just kind of like it's them taking advantage of a situation that that they they know that they can manipulate. Right. Um, Especially with the younger kids because, like I said, the cases that I found that we're going to all go over here in a few minutes – they're all young. Young, yeah. Like, none of them are, like, It seems 40s. like the example, she's one of the older ones. It yeah. seems like it's even younger people. It's pretty much, if you're busted for something that's, like, kind of minor, they're, like, to frighten you. Because anyone that's mm-hmm. older would probably be, like, okay, like, fuck you. Like, I'm going to get a lawyer right. and we're going to figure this shit out. Not saying that this is anyway her fault or any of these people's faults, but... I think they, they prey on that. They prey right. on the immaturity. They prey on the inexperience. They prey on putting, you could get 10 years in prison unless you help us. Right. Like, of course it's going to look lucrative to someone who thinks Doesn't, that they no. trust the police and thinks, you know, maybe not trust the police because I don't think any of these people would trust the police, but no offense to police officers. I really do. They just don't know any better. like this kind of shit. It pisses yeah. me off. So often deploying informants Involves no paperwork. Paperwork. <laughs> no paperwork. Um, often deploying informants involves no paperwork and no institutional oversight. Again, they're not being watched, but they also don't have lawyers, judges, or public scrutiny. They're 
their use is necessarily shrouded in secrecy. So basically, that's why we don't fucking know that this is happening because it's hush hush. It's mm-hmm. you're doing this for us. We're doing this for you. Keep it quiet. We're not. You wouldn't do this for everybody. Don't tell. You know, like they actually do do it for everybody. Right. They're not special, wonder, but well, we'll talk about. It. But um, yeah. So like, this is the thing. Like, if you're ever in trouble with the law, I don't fucking care if you hire a lawyer. If you just consult a lawyer, I don't really care. I don't know how it works, but talk to a lawyer before anything. Is. Any of this. Because they'll they'll be 100 with you. They'll say, okay, maybe that's a good deal, but I could probably get you a lower sentence. And then you could be like, okay, if they said maybe it's a good deal, I'll go. Mm-hmm. No. Like, no one would fucking, uh-uh. Talk to your parents. Talk to somebody. Don't don't make these decisions. Right. Out of just like, okay, my sentence will be taken away. Because that's not the fucking case. And that's what they said at the beginning of this one. They said that they told Rachel, which, I, again, I don't believe, that this would not necessarily scrap her case. They didn't even say it would help her case. They right. said, maybe, we'll see. Well, the judge will look at how you've helped us and weigh that against the sentence that you were up against. Right, because you have to think, originally, she denied this deal and then changed her mind. So it's not like they kept telling her, like, yeah, this might not help you. Do you want to help? This yeah. might not help you. They obviously did something to make it seem appealing. Yeah, there's no way they were like, this is not going to do anything for you, honestly, so right. maybe don't take it. Like, There has to be wanted. some sense of manipulation there. And I, I wonder, though, because... Uh, I wonder how the police that do these kind of dealings, if they, like, kind of profile the people. If they're like, oh, she's immature and stupid, like, she'll do it and she won't think twice. Or if they're like, I'm not even going to offer it to this dude because he's too smart. Like, he's too, like, not smart. I don't want to say that because I don't want to disrespect the victims of these crimes because these ended up being victims of horrible, heinous crimes. But, like, at the end of the day, I wonder, though, if that's something they think. Like, oh, she has a, she actually does have a couple felonies on her. We could get her with this one. Or if, oh, it's, like, a tiny pop bus i'm not gonna even offer it you know what i mean there ha- yeah there has to be something there has to be that... something and they don't fucking put it through anyone so it's not like it's like a vetted process it's more like they look at you up and down they and think like, ah, she'll fall for it or... or like she'd be convincing to druggy yeah, yeah. over there like some yeah. the crack on the sort you know she'll be able to convince him that she needs that so i don't know how that works but it's very interesting because it clearly they don't offer it to everybody but they offer it to a lot of fucking people and i'm curious how they make this seem appealing to people Mm -hmm. so take it away (laughs) so brian sally a police officer who's the president of bbs narcotics enforcement training and consulting a firm that instructs officers around the country in drug bus procedures says quote they can get us into the places we can't go without them narcotics operations would practically cease to function which is pretty crazy that you know, all these arrests, which, like, obviously drug arrests are a good thing when people are out yeah, yeah. selling meth and to cocaine people, and yeah, heroin. Like, that's an issue here. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, streets. practically all of them have informants like this is pretty crazy. And it's it's also something to think about. I mean, it's a good point. Like, you can't get a fucking 40-year-old officer right. to get into a drug house without being some kind of, like, yeah, like out. He's like not going to put on a disguise and look 20 years younger and be like, right? hey, dudes, let's party. Let's, let's smoke <laughs> the marijuana. You know, like, what the fuck? <laughs> I mean, obviously, there could be younger looking. But it makes, and from the standpoint of this, it makes some sense. Because it's like, but why wouldn't you fucking hire people in tr- like right. really put that it seems like training. yeah it seems like this guy is speaking from an experienced Standard, proper yeah. way of going about this yeah, yeah. um but so everyday office or everyday offenders are sent out to i guess they are essentially everyday officers <laughs> yeah. sent out to perform high risk police operations with few legal protections 
Some are juveniles, <laughs> occasionally as young as 14 or 15. Now that's some bullshit. There should at least be an age limit. I was a child when I was 14. And it's like, are these 14-year-olds being sent into a 40-year-old meth dealer's house? Right. Or is it, are they, like, evening out the keel? You know what I mean? It's like, how old are the people you're sending these people after? Are you fucking kidding? Right. Um, so it says, some operate through the haze of addiction. Others, like Hoffman, are enrolled in state-mandated treatment programs that prohibit their association with illegal drugs of any kind. Many have been given false assurances by the police. Wait, does with- that mean that they target are like actual addicts just like off the street yeah it seems like it mm-hmm. and be like i mean i guess, I guess like, it would be the same deal like we got some shit on you yeah. help us and we won't press charges that's interesting because i wonder if there's like you know if they like see someone on the street looks like they're strung out on drugs and instead of like blasting them for being strung out on drugs they're like they, hey we see you're fucked up help, us. help us yeah Ooh, it gives me the willies. I mean, it seems like these things happen more than we ever think about. Cause... And I'm kind of glad because I'm glad I'm not in that world. Right. I don't want to be associated with that. I'm I'm happy that um, I'm I, we were raised in an environment that this is not something we know about. Right. Because I'm sure the people in this environment do know that this is something that happens. Which yeah. Which I would imagine makes it a little harder as a dealer. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> um, so many of them have been giving false assurances by the police used without regard for their safety, and treated as disposable pawns of the criminal justice system. So, let's say that again. Treated as disposable pawns of the criminal justice system. One more time for the people in the back. Treated as disposable... Disposable. (laughs) Disposable. Disposable pawns of the criminal justice system. One more time. Disposable pawns. So... They mean nothing. They're a means to an end. Literally, I feel like cops look at these people, think, they're not human anymore. Let's throw them to the wolves and see what happens. If we get something good out of it, great. Yay. If not, mm, fuck it. They were just a blurb on our radar anyways. Maybe it's not as heartless, but that's how I'm taking it, especially after reading about these cases. Right. And so, like we had mentioned earlier, the recruitment of young informants often involves risks that are incommensurate with the charges that they're facing. And the costs of co- cooperating can be high. So they're saying they're putting you in this position that is not even equivalent to what you got busted for. Which is the thing. It's like be educated, people. If you find yourself dealing drugs and you get busted and someone, a cop, which you're supposed to trust. I mean, I'm not saying don't trust all cops. But if you if you are put in this situation, get a fucking lawyer. Get Always get because, a lawyer. Because your shit, you could have gone to jail for a day, not even gone to jail at all, had a fine right. community service. And instead, you're being, your life is being put on the line. You're being thrown out to real criminals, to real bad. Like, the people that, like, I wouldn't consider Hoffman a, a criminal. I wouldn't consider Rachel, you know, I mean, yeah, she was doing criminal things. But, like, she had a future. She went to college. She graduated. She had a plan. She had She a was life. savable in yeah, some sense. You exactly. know, she wasn't like, beyond... Repair. Help. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, she faced a few felonies, but no felony is worth your life. Right. So. So this is where. Shit goes it, wayward. Yeah. So prepare, everybody. If you didn't figure out by now, this this takes a whole fucking, all kinds. I mean, at this point, you should, you, you were should. already turned around. You know what I mean? It's like, there's no turn to make. It's already going backwards. But we want to warn you. Shit's sad. It's shocking. It's just like a fucking, it's a mess. So 
Warning, if you don't like violence, I don't know why you're listening to this podcast, but not saying that we like violence, but it's a violent podcast. So just warning, if things trigger you, bye. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Oh, this one's like, okay, whatever. This one isn't as violent as it could be, but. Yeah, yeah. it's just fucked up on 30 different levels. So on the afternoon of the drug bust, which was May 7th, which was uh, about. Oh, 17 years ago. Oh, wait. 11 it was 11 years ago. Years ago. Wow. Um, Hoffman drove to the police headquarters to start her day as their informant. Like I said, and like Kara said, they had been <clears throat> not training her, but training her for three weeks or whatever the fuck. I don't know what they were doing in that time, but not enough. Um, but they, I guess they were prepping her on what was going to happen, right. how they were going to, you know, come in after she made the deal or whatever. Because, like I said, once they hand over the cash, that's when the deal is sealed, and that's when the cops are supposed to, sh- like, storm it and bust it. I still don't understand how these work. But anyways, um, Officer Pender. Sandy-haired vice cop. Yeah, Sandy-haired vice cop. <laughs> I wonder if he's cute. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it's not. It's fucking irrelevant. <laughs> Um, so Officer Pender placed a surveillance wire and a recording device in her purse, along with stacks of money for the buy. I don't know why the fuck they would put surveillance wire and a recording device in the same fucking purse as but the she's going to be pulling out. She's about to these be stacks out. of money. It, it seems like a horrible comedy act. It's like, are you? Like she's carrying a briefcase full the of stacks of money. The shit that falls out of my purse when I go to reach out my wallet is enough. Are you kidding me? Take that shit to her asshole. Like, you know, put it up there. <laughs> Fucking hide it. Are I you don't know me? that they'd be able to hear it from there. <laughs> like, but I that's just, a better that's, plan than what they had, right? so like, I give you credit for it. Like, this is stupid. Like, just, just stupid. This is, Im- like, this is just bullshit police work is what I'm telling you right now. They clearly don't know what the fuck they're doing. As a woman, I fucking know it, you're not putting shit anything falls out of your you purse. don't want to see uh, in my purse with the fucking money that you're expecting me to hand to these fucking people. Dumb, 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 dumb. If you're listening and you're one of the fucking police officers that, like, hook these people up, fucking give them a visor and hide it in there. Just see CIA should put it in their ear. A beanie. Nose, a beanie. Put it in a grill in their teeth and just make them smile weird. But don't Sew put it, it in inside their arm. purse with the money that you're expecting them to take out of that purse. What? What? All right. Like, was- if we know that and we have very... Right. Very little training. Right? I would say this is strike number two for this fucking, this team of idiots. The fucking first strike was going after this poor girl. Second strike was being a fucking idiot, not thinking through and not really caring about life because you put the fucking surveillance shit in the purse with the money that she's supposed to take out and hand to these people. Fucking stupid. Anyways. So, as we mentioned a little bit earlier, the two people that she was targeting were, uh, Andrea, or Andrea, or Andrea, I don't fucking know, Green, who was a 25-year-old local man. Oh. Um, but they called him Dre. And then... The- what, Andrea's a woman, or a man's name? Oh, fucking, I don't know. Lindsay huh. Buckingham is a well, man. That's a little less feminine than Andrea, but okay. <laughs> Whatever shoots your boot, you know? <laughs> the other one's name is coming up here somewhere. Where the fuck is the name? Where did I put it? Dre and Green were two separate people. They are. That's what I'm trying to find. Oh, no, no. It's Bradshaw. Carrie Bradshaw? Yeah. (laughs) Whatever. So, Dre and Bradshaw were the two that they were targeting. So, like I said, Dre was a 25-year-old local man. 
And he, while our girl Rachel was bused into the site for the incompetent police force, he had changed the site from his friend's backyard to a nearby park called Forest Meadows, which was unfamiliar to Hoffman. So she's like me, and after driving some 15 minutes down the road, she neared the entrance of the Forest Meadows Park, but she turned too soon into the wrong park. Man, if I didn't have a GPS, I'd be dead. I don't, I'd be in a hole somewhere. I'd just lost as fuck. I'm so bad with directions. But she turned too soon into the wrong park. Now, over the phone, Pender, Officer Pender, redirected her to the venue slightly farther north. So she just made a little bit of a wrong turn. He said, okay, go farther north. But after this point... Pender lost track of her. So other officers later reported that they had all thought that he, or at least somebody, had, quote, eyes, quote, on Hoffman. So they were thinking somebody was around to see this take place, but apparently don't fucking communicate and they don't use their brains during these operations because nobody had their eyes on Hoffman. But Hoffman didn't know that. Hoffman had no fucking idea that not one of these officers was watching her. No idea that not one of these officers could track her. But she's not going to answer her cell phone when she's at a drug bus. Like, hey, you guys, do you still see me? I'm here <laughs> waiting for them to come. That's, yeah. not that, that's not how it works. So she did begin driving towards a plant nursery just a mile and a half north, evidently thinking the police were still monitoring her because apparently all the police didn't communicate with each other and nobody was able to figure out that they lost her. But within minutes, her audio surveillance equipment went dead. And over the... Uh, equipment it was said and reported in trial that pender said to colleagues at 6 46 p.m uh i lost her over the wire so this should have meant bust your go get her ass. get your ass there and first of all people should have been close yeah someone should have been fucking a couple cars behind her because they weren't like playing follow the leader to the park she was meeting them there so they wouldn't like if they followed her just to the entrance and drove past they'd still be close to her you know what i mean this is just stupid all around but she wasn't answering her cell phone like we said now according to pender hoffman managed to reach him a few minutes later on her phone saying i followed them from the nursery we're on gardener it looks like the deal is going to go here it's a dead end street so she did make contact with them and said that now, Pender later said that he told her, turn around, turn around, do not follow them. And the phone cut off. And he said, quote, I had no response from her, which meant, you know, either she hung up on me or we lost the signal, quote. So, clearly, she didn't hear those directions. I don't know when the phone cut off. We don't have any information on that, but it doesn't sound like she got any of these directions. Mm-mm. Because if she's calling to fill them in, it seems like she's going by their plan. Yeah. It doesn't seem like she's rebelling, doing what she wants. Yeah. So it doesn't seem like she hung up on them. And she's like, nah. Uh-huh. And it looks like the officer, in my brain at least, is how I'm reading into it, um, realized that when she said it was a dead-end street, they realized if they move the location and it's a street that ends, some shit's going to go down. Mm-hmm. All right, so I'm sure at this point, I don't think he's a heartless piece of shit. I don't think that. I think I'm sure he's fucking freaking out at this point. Like, mm-hmm. this is about to go fuck, fucking wrong. Like, this is about to go crazy. Because as he was saying turn around, he realized the phone had cut off. So he's he knows that he has no contact with this girl. She's about to meet these thugs at the end of a street that's dead end, probably in the middle of bumfuck nowhere. And she's about to do some serious dealings with them. She's one girl 
unarmed other than the guns that she, you know, that they were supposed to give to her. So it's like, what the fuck happened here? But anyways, they did report that officers began frantically searching the area to find Gardner Road. Of course they did because they fucking realized how badly this was about to go. Now, the DEA plane circled haplessly overhead, its agents unable to see owing to the dense tree covers. She was in the fucking forest with these two thugs at a dead-end street. And by the time a police team arrived at the narrow turnoff, Hoffman and her car were no longer there. So by the time... Uh, just kidding. Instead, they found a a 25 caliber round, two live ammunition rounds, six cigarette butts, and a single black flip-flop. They didn't even give this girl some good shoes. She's starting flip-flops. Like, are you They're kidding? probably from Old Navy. Right? Like, get the fuck out. It's made of plastic and, like, foam. So at around 2.30 on the morning after the bungled sting, um... Rachel's mom received a call from the police out of her home in Suburban Safety Harbor. So the fucking day later, after already finding that just her shoe was there, along with bullets, that's when they decide to tell her mom. How ironic she lives in Safety Harbor. Right. Like, are you you fucking kidding me? The next day? So, or late that morning. So they said, your daughter's missing. And a few miles away in Palm Harbor, um, another officer, uh, her dad received a call um, asking if he heard from Rachel or knew her whereabouts. So at this point, the police are starting to make contact with her family, freaking out. I'm sure freaking out at this point. I mean, I'm sure they already knew some shit had gone down, some bullets and a flip-flop. However, I think they were still either feigning that they had hope that she was living or they really wanted to see if she somehow had gotten out and made it home. So the department called her again later that morning, urging both parents to come to Tallahassee. Rachel Rachel still had not been found. And they made no mention of the botched drug bust, aka finding bullets, her flip-flop, and saying, you know, making her meet these thugs, um, or of Rachel's recruitment to their little CI undercover narc situation. So they, the parents are, like, just being told by police, you need to come to the station. That's it. That's yeah. what they're told. Um, within the hour, Marjorie... Margie? Margie. Margie. Um, Irv and their rabbi. <laughs> get the rabbi. We're going. Right? Like, yeah, you need all the prayers you can fucking get when you get a police a call like this. Um, especially having no fucking information. They're not telling mm-hmm. you anything. Um, but, yeah, her mom and her dad and their rabbi went to Tallahassee driving on US-19 in separate cars. Now, when Rachel's parents arrived at the headquarters of Tallahassee Police Department, they immediately grew suspicious. But, okay, if you ever call me and say I need to come to a police station, I'm shitting my pants no matter what it's for. Right. Like, of course you're going to grow suspicious. It's probably not something good. Right? Um, Marjorie recalled that she remembered noticing that they weren't taking us to the missing persons unit. Instead, they were like, quote, come over here to narcotics, quote. Police <laughs> Chief Dennis Jones, who was a middle-aged man with a thick mustache, repeated what they already knew from, obviously, the fucking come-to-the-police-station call. They said Rachel's missing. Now, a victim's advocate had already alerted them to the possibility she might not be found alive. 
So I guess that they were being prepped that some shit had gone down. Now Jones assured them that in an and that an aggressive search was underway and instructed them to go to their daughter's apartment and await for, for further updates. I'm assuming that's because they want to make sure she doesn't come home or you right. know, they, they want to make sure that someone's there to greet her and let the police know if she does. So Margie and Irv opened the front door to Rachel's place, which she had often kept on lock, and sat down among scented candles and posters of John Lennon and Johnny Depp. So fun, chill, stoner's room. Pretty, pretty it. <laughs> pretty much it. Um, so only then, when they made themselves comfortable on her, I'm sure they're fucking not comfortable. I'm sure they're panicking the fuck out. Yeah. But, um, they turned on the television and scanned the news for updates. They discovered that Rachel had, quote, provided assistance during a police operation, end quote, the previous day, and that's officials suspected foul play in her disappearance. So turning on the news, kind of like Timothy McLean's parents, that is how they figured out that this wasn't just a missing persons. This was, we might be searching for a body um, type of operation. And they had no fucking clue that the police are in on it. Mm-hmm. Which I think is bullshit. But police were looking for two suspects. Uh, Dre Green and Danilo Bradshaw, which is the two that they had her go meet. Well, at least that makes it a little bit more simple. They know who she was supposed to meet, so they have the suspects ready and on lock. But that's who they were looking for, obviously. Now, the news shows relayed that Rachel's Volvo had been found in Perry, which I guess is a town nearby. Now, the car was empty, parked beneath a tree outside a welding shop. Her phone was discovered by a roadside, which gave Irv a dark, ugly feeling, citing that she loved that iPhone. I gave it to her as a gift, and someone would have had to pry it away from her to get it. That's really sad. The fact that her phone was found and she was not was just a feeling that made her parents know this was not going to end well. I mean... Most people, like, I mean, 2007, 2008, it was 2007. That's, like, the first iPhone. That's, that's a, like, a big, that's a big thing. And, even I mean, now, even now, if you find my phone and I'm not with it, something's up. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Like, if you see my phone and I haven't seen it, it's not been near me and I'm not near it, I'm, something's gone. Yeah. Something's wrong. So, um, just after dawn the next day, her parents, um... And her mom and dad were separated, so her her mom and her husband, and then also her dad, drove down the road to get some coffee and bagels. Uh, her mom was standing alone in the parking lot of Publix Food and Pharmacy when she got a call from uh, the dad. No, so so the dad, so Margie and her husband, so her stepdad, um, drove down to the road to get some coffee and bagels while they were just waiting, and I'm sure panicking the fuck mm-hmm. out, while her dad stayed behind, and... Her dad called her mom and said, quote, you need to come back to the apartment. So instantly she ran back into the grocery store, searching the aisles for Mike, which was her husband, screaming to the cashier, to random shoppers, where is my husband? My daughter was just murdered. Can you fucking imagine the panic? It like hurts Mm -hmm. me and I'm so sad for this family and it's so fucking unnecessary. I just don't understand. So back at the apartment, Rabbi Klein confirmed her fears. Rachel's body had been found. Now, it was lying in a dark creek bed near Cabbage Grove Road in Perry. 
Later that morning, journalists descended on a forest clearing where Tallahassee Police Department officials were holding a press conference, not far from where her body was still laying. It had not been picked up yet when they held this press conference. (laughs) So the two suspects had been apprehended at 6.30 a.m., and they were the ones who led police to her body. Officer David McCraney, who we had mentioned earlier, told the crowd, quote, we had established protocols in place to ensure her safety. At some point during the investigation, she chose not to follow the instructions. She met Green and Bradshaw on her own. That meeting ultimately resulted in her murder. I would have choked him the fuck out. So right after her body's found, they're they're essentially blaming her for it, Mm -hmm. which is really sad. And it's fucking a lie. It's just like, that's not fucking what happened. Right. That's- you lost contact with her because you didn't have fucking proper equipment. You didn't prep her if they did change the location because that should have been in the prep. Yeah. In no way is this her fault at all. Not even semi-fucking her fault. This is mm-hmm. absurd. And among the details uncovered in the years following Hoffman's death was that the raid could never have succeeded as planned. The encounter had never really been a prospective drug deal. Uh, so from the very beginning, Green was apparently planning a con. He was going to hand Hoffman a bag full of aspirin in place of the ecstasy and take off with the money. When investigators spoke to Green's wife in the days that followed, she acknowledged that her husband had called on the night of the botched operation. And she described what had taken place as, quote, they found a wire in her purse and shot her. Throughout the media coverage of the murder, It was noted by the grieving family that there seemed to be a, quote, smear campaign out against their daughter, which we see that right from the very beginning. Yeah. That literally the day of the press conference when her body is still there. She chose not to follow that plan. She she would have listened to us. She would have been alive. She did this. She did that. Fuck yourself. That's not what happened. Um, So every news outlet made Rachel out to be a low-life druggie. Which, like I said, like... Yes, she dealt drugs. Yes, she did drugs, but the, but drugs she fucking smoked weed and maybe did a, one pill of ecstasy. You know, I mean, I don't really know, but you know what I mean. That's not a fucking. You're, like, you're, she you're graduated victim blaming. College. Yeah, she has a degree. She, by all intents and purposes, looked like she was moving forward in life, getting a career. She was ready to get started. She just got caught up on the wrong end of right. the law. So two months later, in a TV segment on Hoffman's death, ABC News correspondent Brian Ross interviewed Police Chief Jones. Prepare to be pissed. Right. And said, quote, I'm calling her a criminal. That's my job as a police chief, to find these criminals in our community and take them off the street to make the proper arrests. You think he could have fucking chosen better wording than that? Take them off the street, bitch. You got her killed. You put her back on the street is what they did. So when Ross asked about the department's accountability, he said, quote, do we feel responsible? We're responsible for the safety of this community. This like... I'm getting hot thinking about this. This is just, like, I can't just, like, as, like, thinking about her family hearing this that's, makes me want to smash this bottle over my head and run naked through the street. <laughs> that's, that's a reaction. See, that's like, ooh, Lord. I can't, I can't judge how you grieve, so. <laughs> so the officers involved in the operation were suspended with pay, and the family filed a wrongful death lawsuit against the city. On December 17th, 2009, which would which would have been Rachel's 25th birthday, Bradshaw, one of the murder suspects, was found guilty of first-degree murder with robbery and sen- sentenced to life imprisonment without parole plus 30 years. 
Green was also convicted of the murder and sentenced to life in prison. Her parents were ultimately awarded $2.6 million in a wrongful death suit against the city of Tallahassee, and they provided a formal apology. Who cares at this point? You know what I mean? Money means nothing. You took the apology means child. nothing after you s- slammed her. Throughout the media. Um, fucking dicks. Her parents also founded an organization devoted to warning young people about the risks of becoming confidential informants. Which is cool. It just seems like an odd choice for an organization, but... I mean, I guess it's important because, like, we didn't know that this was a fucking thing. Right. So, I'm not really sure, like, when you're in this situation of who looks up, like, organizations to help me figure out if I should right. do this. Because I think they're expecting, like, a quick answer. Like, okay, yes or no, you're either going to go to jail or you're going to fucking help us. It's one way or the other. Right. But... But, I mean... You know, becoming hey, activists after something like this yeah, is, you it know... it never hurts. And it, I'm it's sure awesome. It people. Um, on July 1st, 2009, a bill known as Rachel's Law was adopted in Florida, Florida, aimed at providing greater protection to individuals finding themselves in situations like Rachel's. And the law requires enforcement agencies, law enforcement agencies, to provide special training for officers who recruit confidential informants, instruct informants that reduce sentences may not be provided in exchange for their work, and permit informants to request a lawyer if they want one. So, all in all... Really tiny bit of good came out of this, right? Because now she, you know, she's protecting people who might have the same fate, and mm-hmm. and unfortunately, as we'll find out here after this episode airs, and the next episodes come out, this is not a one-off experience, right? It should fucking be, but you know what I mean. It's just not. But I mean, I guess so an organization they got a law passed i mean they're they're really trying to make her memory not letting her die in vain right i still would have i would be owning the police fucking academy but i mean i mean the one i mean obviously the law is definitely a step in the right direction it's sad that they're providing the training to the people who put her in the position they should be providing the training to the informant but i guess how much can you do when they don't work for you i don't know the ins and outs of it it just seems yeah, it doesn't seem like they're training the people doing it. They're training the officers who recruit the confidential informants. Right. You know, but what, obviously. To be more fucking honest? Like, what are they? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is that like what they're like? I don't understand. Um, I mean, but hey, if, if it's that It's better helps than nothing. More, yeah, exactly. If that helps one person not get into this scenario, not be smeared by the fucking law, not be used as like a pawn in a game, not be thrown away like trash, then good. Yeah. So... I mean, it's an eye for an eye, so let's talk about their sentencing. Now, it didn't say... Did it say the other guy's sentence? They both got life in prison. Okay, yes. So, does the punishment for the crime... Fuck yeah, it does. For them? Absolutely. Fuck yeah, it does. You know what they should fucking do? Life in prison, but if they ever get to go to, like, a courtyard or anything, like, any, like, exercise time... Instead of that, they should put them in high, high risk drug dealing area. Fucking, they should be stings. made into a human centipede. That's it. That's, that's it. Ass. But yeah, I, in my opinion, I do think the punishment fits a crime: life imprisonment. You fucking killed someone for no reason. You're a, a thug. You're a shithead. You're dealing drugs. You're probably killing people with those drugs. You had illegal guns, which is why they were trying to buy them from you. That's not fucking legal. You can't just fucking sell your guns willy nilly on the street. It's not legal. So you're a piece of shit and you deserve to rot in jail. Now what about 
the punishment for the cops or lack thereof. Bullshit. I think the cops should be held responsible. I always think cops should be held responsible, and they never fucking are. They never, ever, ever are held responsible for the shit that they do. And I get it. There's good cops out there. There's bad cops out there. But do we have info on what happened to them after they were put on suspension with pay? I'm sure they were brought back on. I don't think they I would have said they were fired permanently yeah. or, like, let go permanently if they had been. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, but that's like, that's the annoying thing. That's not a punishment. That's fucking protocol. And it's not like, like the 2.6 mil was coming out of their pockets to pay the family. Right? Like, even if you shoot and kill a dog, which hurts my soul as well, but even if you do that as an officer, you get put on paid leave. Like, that's what happens. It's protocol. They have mm-hmm. to investigate it. It has to be looked into. But that that's not, like, firing you. That's not, like, punishing it's you. It's nothing. It's a vacation. Right? Because you're still being paid. paid. Yeah, really. Like, fucking fuck. My mom doesn't even get paid when she gets fucking takes off work. Like, are you kidding me? It's just, no, I don't think the punishment fits a crime. What, I don't, I'm trying to think what I do think would be fair for the officers if I were to sentence them. What do you think? Oh, it's hard. It's like, do I, I necessarily think, think they should be fired? No. Yeah. Uh, should be taken off this fucking recruiting because you put some. Get out of the narcotics department, work an office job as a police officer, get better training. I don't know what I think the proper thing i don't know that they should i don't know did they break the law no that i mean yeah but but for them rachel wouldn't have been in that scenario oh i 100 percent agree you know what i mean so it's kind of like they set her up to be killed without because like okay so they didn't know she's gonna be killed of course but you're dealing with thugs you're dealing with criminals who are selling you guns guns those are the guns they killed her with the guns that they she was buying from them were the guns that she ended up dying by why I guess manslaughter? Also, why the fuck wasn't she given a fucking vest if guns were involved in anything? Right. Or at all, honestly, because you'd think, you know. Yeah. I do. Manslaughter. I think that would be appropriate. I do, because you're negligent. Or negligent Neg- homicide. Yeah, yeah. Is it negligent homicide yeah. or negligent manslaughter? I don't, I think it would be negligent homicide. I think that, like, because so it's not, like, a super severe sentence. I don't think they should be locked over for the rest of their lives because they didn't do the killing. However, if they didn't put her in the position completely untrained, completely unprepared, completely unsafe, she would have, and to fucking blame her? Right. That alone Maybe they should go to jail. Yeah, I think, what do people normally get for manslaughter? Jail time. Like, vehicular manslaughter, you're going to jail. Let's see what it is in Florida. Maybe, do I think they should be rot in jail for the rest of their lives? No. But should they go? Yeah, Yeah. for sure. I changed my mind. Fire them. (laughs) Wait, hold on. I want to see what the manslaughter in Florida is. But it's just, it's one of those things where it's like, I feel like if you are ever involved intentionally, purposefully, I mean, they didn't intentionally kill her, but they intentionally put her in a horrible scenario where she would 100% have the risk of being in trouble and they know that because they're fucking police officers because they're trained to deal with these thugs they are trained that it's unsafe they're trained that it's a it's a high-risk environment yeah so they it's not like they didn't know they didn't think they knew what could happen friends stealing lollipops in the like in a supermarket right. no they fucking thought this was thugs in an alley you know what i mean they knew who they were dealing with barney would never teach anybody to steal yeah <laughs> Don't, you never know. Don't smear him. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's like, I don't know. They definitely, I think they should have gotten manslaughter. Oh, yeah. It's definite negligence. Yeah. D- yeah. Something. Something like that, but not like murder. Not first degree. Right. 
hundred percent. Um, but yeah, so that's what we think. So that's a case of Rachel Hoffman. Now, I did mention at the top of the show and throughout the show that unfortunately, this is not the first of its kind. Rachel's case is not the first of its kind. As we mentioned, the statistics are high. Thousands of people do this. What they say, up to 80%, 80%. of all drug busts. One of the informants is not a cop, not trained. It's not a formal thing. It's literally a kid who is facing some kind of random misdemeanor or felony charge who is then given the option either go to jail or help us out. So unfortunately, in the next couple episodes, we're going to we're gonna do this as separate episodes, um, but I'm going to release them concurrently so you can listen to them, you know, when you feel it in your soul to deal with these because they get worse and worse and worse and worse. Not that one death is worse than another. I would never say that. However, they get more gruesome. They get harder to listen to, and they get more infuriating. So if you want to stick around for those, like I said, I mean, you're not going to stick around anyway. This episode's going to end. But <laughs> if you want to check those out, those will be the next few episodes. It's going to be an extension of this one um, in, in episode. But I do think their stories deserve to be told. Um, some of them I couldn't find very much information about because this is so hush-hush, secret, secret. Right. These things aren't announced. Because, one, I'm sure it's because they don't want the drug dealers in the area to find out that almost every person around them is a little snake working for the police. Because those police are snakes. Um, I don't know. I don't know why they're not really widely covered, but they weren't. So I couldn't find a lot of information to make them like a full giant episode like Rachel's. However, um, there was enough information for me to think it was important enough to have these people's stories heard. Not let them, you know, die in vain. Not let the police get away with not training these people sufficiently. And I think the more people that know about this, maybe the more that will change. Right? Because without Rachel, we wouldn't have Rachel's Law. And like, although I would never sacrifice someone's life to create a law unfortunately it's it's at least some shred of good that could come out of a horrible scenario so let's know what you think about rachel's um rachel hoffman's case were the cops just did they do their job should they be tried were the thugs in this case sentenced properly do you think life imprisonment do you think you should have given them the death penalty you think they should have got off what do you think because I mean, I don't know who would think, like, oh, they should have gotten on. That would be yeah, oh, they, they were right. If that's yeah. what you think. <laughs> but um, just kidding, whatever. We are more open to opinions. But um, except for shitty ones. <laughs> <laughs> but um, let us know what you guys think. Because especially with the cops, I want to know what you guys feel should have happened to the cops. Do you think suspend with pay just for a little bit of time is sufficient? Do you think they were doing their jobs? Do you think it was Rachel's fault? Which, I, again, I would vehemently disagree with you. But... Do you think about it? I mean, I want to I wanna know what you guys feel and think. Let us know. Um, we do have our Patreon page if you'd like to support our show. I would love to hire an editor <laughs> so, so someone can help me. Um, we have someone fixing the audio on Casey Anthony's episode. Hopefully that will be out and ready to go by the time this one airs. But I'm not sure. We'll definitely announce it big. I'm sorry about the audio quality on that one. I wanted to bring that up because I don't want people to think I don't realize that it sucks. It's just I didn't realize it sucked until it was uploaded. So I'm definitely working on fixing that for everybody. I don't want to put out a show that I'm not proud of. Um, And I love that episode. So that's why it's hard because I didn't. It sounded fine until I exported it. Um, But yeah, go rate, review, subscribe. Tell your friends, tell your fans. We love and appreciate all of you. We'd love to thank all of our Patreon supporters already. If you want to support us, there's a link in the show notes. You can click it and follow that. A little $1 a month helps us out huge. 
like I said, I really would like to hire an editor so I don't have to have panic attacks. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I actually love doing this. It's cool to be able to say I edit, write, produce, host this podcast. But any help is really appreciated. We love all of you guys. Let us know. Did the punishment fit the crime? Listen for episode. <laughs> <laughs> More to come. When 23-year-old Rachel Hoffman was arrested on marijuana charges and agreed to become a police informant, the Tallahassee police promised they would protect her. And the obligation really is it's the same as we do with our own employees. We want to you know, provide safety. That did not happen with Rachel Hoffman. Her police handlers lost her as she drove down this deserted road. Following these two men, who police say were going to sell her a large quantity of drugs and a gun. The police chief now blames Rachel for following the two suspects away from the original meeting place. We know that uh, the plan that we had in place was deviated uh, from. It was, uh, it was a change of plans. Uh, and, and unfortunately, uh, Rachel was, uh, decided to deviate from that plan and, and not meet at the predetermined location. And so it was her fault? Uh, no, I, I don't want, you know, see, that's where everybody feels that, that we're looking to, to but, blame. But I asked you what happened, you said she deviated from the plan. Well, and that's, that's where, uh, whenever the plan started going uh, south, if you want to say, uh, where, where we lost contact with, with Rachel because she did not show up at the, at the location she was supposed to have gone to.